Amen. 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 Yeah. Amen. Uh, can we thank Matthew and the team, Megan, for leading us in worship today? Uh, man, I appreciate everybody so much. <clears throat> All the work they put in to um, give us these moments together to walk into the presence of God. My name is Richie, your lead pastor here, and I'm thankful that God got you here today. As a church, we are committed to reach this world for Jesus one person at a time. And our prayer is that maybe you're that person today or you know somebody that, that needs to know who Jesus is and that uh, God would use you in their life in a powerful way. It's a simple way. Usually I talk to a guy who's new to our church this week and uh, he was just sharing how excited he was to find a church where uh, one of his friends that doesn't know Jesus has a lot of questions about following Jesus. He felt like this is the church. This is the place that he could bring this friend and help this friend come to know who Jesus is and follow Jesus wholeheartedly. Isn't that cool that that's the kind of church uh, that you're a part of? That's the kind of family we are. Uh, Last week, you guys baptized five people into Jesus Christ last Sunday. That's pretty amazing. I'm gone for one week and this is what happens. You know, you guys uh, just go crazy without me, but I love it. I love it. I love seeing lives change and I know you do too. That's what we are all about. That's who God's called us to be. And and, uh, I just love the simplicity of just loving people and serving people and meeting people where they're at with whatever's going on in their life and showing them the hope that we found. I mean, I mean, the way that Jesus is changing us and the way that he's filling us with courage and hope and joy and satisfaction and, and a hope that's not shaken when things are difficult, man, that's the same hope that we get to bring and, and, and share with people around us. And so I'm thankful that that's the kind of people you are and who you are becoming and really, really excited to see what God's doing. The month of May is starting tomorrow. Tomorrow's May Day. May Day, I don't know what you do with May Day, but it's tomorrow and uh Man, I'm excited about May. We got Mother's Day coming up here in a couple of weeks. Can we get a shout out for all the moms? Yes. Um, last service, I asked moms, are you excited for Mother's Day? And it was like crickets. And so I changed it up this time. I'm like, we're not going to ask moms to shout. I want all of us to shout for moms. So uh, yeah, we're going to have a cool opportunity. We're going to have a guest here that um, is, is um, a part of an amazing organization across the world, um, Compassion International. David was a um, child living in Africa who was actually adopted by a family here in America uh, through Compassion International. He's going to share his story on Mother's Day and and what that sponsorship and that that, um, adoption meant through um, Compassion International. Many of us have adopted kids through Compassion in Ethiopia around our church plant. And some of you missed that boat. You're like, I wasn't here when we did that. It was like a year and a half ago or something. And and we want you to be a part of that. And so we're going to have uh, compassion with us on Mother's Day, sharing that story. And and uh, I'll be preaching, but I, I want you to hear from David. And I want you to come ready, like, hey, maybe God would use our family to adopt a, a, a little one in Ethiopia around the, the church plant that we planted in Ethiopia in, in 2020. Uh, we've been able to adopt hundreds of kids all around this church plant. And uh, we are really, really excited to be able to extend that invitation to more of us as a church. And so come ready on Mother's Day for that. Uh, the next weekend, we're going to get to do the 5K fun run for one heart. Anybody stoked about running? It's like finally 80 degrees out and uh, so excited for that. Many of you are not excited about running, but you can walk. It's a fun run, so make it fun. It's going to be awesome, and uh, make sure you sign up for that. 
um, as well as at the end of the month, it's May. Um, the end of May, we're going to have our youth team, kind of a student takeover here uh, during our Sunday services. Our youth ministry is growing like crazy right now, and it's so cool to see God changing lives. And so Tyler, our youth director, is going to preach with me, and we're going to cheer him on a ton during that day. We're going to have students serving all over the, the, the campus. Many of them are coming only on Tuesdays, and they're going to get to come on a Sunday. It's going to be a really cool day. And so uh, we love the next generation, and we as a church are committed to the next generation. This is going to be one of those days where we really celebrate that commitment and inspire us toward it. Sound good? The month of May is going to be good. I am, uh, I'm excited for this conversation today, and um, I'm going to change it up from last service just because I can, and nobody, you wouldn't have known if I didn't tell you, but uh, I'm going to do it. So Paula, hang with me. I'm sorry, but uh, she runs all of our slides up here. She's like, she's going to pull her hair out, but no, it's going to be good. Um, this is a conversation about who you are becoming. Jesus said, I, I want to make all things new. He's talking about heaven and earth. He's talking about your life. If anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Like this is a process, a journey. You are invited into a life of transformation. The moment that you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are invited in, into a new reality and to become somebody different than you used to be. New thoughts, new habits, new patterns, new relationships, new way of thinking and living and believing and acting. Like it's, it's a total transformation. But here's the thing is when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you're not just like some magic wand waved over your life and all of the brokenness that you accumulated before Jesus, it doesn't just evaporate. We, we enter into a story, into a journey of transformation. God wants to do his part. He wants to give you the power, the love, the grace to sustain you in this transformation process, but you got to do your part. It's not just like, poof, you wake up one day and I am different. Everything's different. Like you still think the way you used to think. You still have the bad attitude that you came to Christ with. You still, you know, hate certain people. You still have, have all the brokenness that was done to you and things that were said about you and all the stuff that you grew up with and all that baggage doesn't just go away. You and I are in a journey of transformation. I want to show you this picture because it's a picture of, of us being transformed in every area of our lives. We're, we're in the center today in this abiding relationship with Jesus because your maturity and your relationship with Jesus affects every other relationship, but your relationships in the church, in your home, your marriage, your kids, uh, your relationships in, in the world, that's like where you work and, and, and go to school. And then the whole thing is encompassed by the spiritual realm. All of these spheres of your life are in the process of being transformed by the goodness and the power of God. But you got to engage in that process of transformation. God wants to do a new thing in your life, but you got to invite it, look for it, seek it, like really diligently get after this new life that God has promised you to have. So today I want to, I want to just kind of unpack this, this kind of picture of what you, what you think about and what you believe and what you understand is your, is true and truth. Because what you believe to be true is what governs your life and your decisions. If it's a good idea or a bad idea, how you filter that, if it's the right decision, wrong decision, how you treat people is all governed by your thoughts, your beliefs, these patterns in your thinking. And, and many of us have been given a whole bunch of thinking and thoughts and patterns and beliefs based on experiences that we've had. And many of us don't know if they're true, half true, partially true, complete lies or not, because this is what we've always thought. 
It's what my parents always told me. It's, it, it's the way I've always been treated. It's the way I've always treated other people. Whether or not it's true, whether or not it's what God wants, many of us have never actually done some of that work to, to see our thinking and our patterns and our beliefs change. So when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you need the truth of who God is, who you are, who other people are, not dictated by your previous experiences, but but dictated by something that is beyond you, something that is objective, not subjective to your previous experiences. This is how we view the word of God around here, the Bible. We believe that the Bible is the ultimate source of truth for all of our lives, for all of humanity, that this is God's word to us, revealed by God, human authors, authors over hundreds of years, carried along by the Spirit of God, and it canonized, put into this place right here that we understand as authoritative in each of our lives. I want you to hear that. In real life, everything we believe and everything we do is governed by the Word of God. Now, whether or not your life is, that's a different conversation, right? And that's what I want to talk about. And I understand that each of our lives, we have kind of these ruts and, and, and patterns and thinking that that's just the way it's always been. And so to stir that stuff up, takes some work, takes some effort. But I, I think I just, I want to kind of package it this way. Because if, if you don't do the work of discerning truth from lies, you very well may be living lies and have no idea. Jesus is pretty serious about this. There's a bunch of religious leaders that are getting after Jesus in John chapter 8. And, and, and they're like claiming their tradition. Like, well, we grew up as these people. You know, they call themselves the sons of Abraham because they grew up in the Jewish tradition. Abraham was the father of the Jewish people. If you were with us earlier this year, we walked through the whole Old Testament that way. And so they're claiming this identity as the, the, the sons of Abraham. And Jesus is like, no, Abraham is not your father. Abraham is not your father. Jesus says in verse 44 of chapter eight, you actually belong to your father, the devil. (laughs) No, he's not messing around here. And you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus goes on to say, he who belongs to God hears what God has to say. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Jesus is pretty serious about the person, the thing, the truth that you are listening to is really a picture of who you're following, who you're dedicated to, who your father is, who who you're obedient to. And and when I hear this kind of, this warning that he's calling these guys children of the devil, you know, it's like, Not any of us want to be in that category at all. But the enemy of our soul is constantly assaulting you, your thoughts, your heart, your soul, your emotions. Not only is the enemy out trying to undermine the work of God in your life, but you got your own sinful nature inside of you. This is what you were born with. And that is constantly trying to drag you away from the truth of God and keep you from the potential of God, trying to get you to live the way you always used to live and care about the things you always used to care about. And for you and I to actually become who God made us to be means that we got to get to a place where the truth that God speaks over our life becomes the most important truth and the reality that we are living for and the way that we are making decisions and processing so that God is our father, not the enemy of our souls being our father. 
So let's talk about God's word for just a moment. Uh, in 2 Timothy 3, Paul writes to uh, his apprentice, Timothy, who's pastoring in Ephesus. And he says, but as for you, Timothy, I want you to continue in what you have learned and what you have become convinced of. You hear the process here. Many of us, you, you hear of the truth of God's word. You come on a Sunday or get to your connect group and you, you hear the, the truth, but then there's this kind of second piece where you've become convinced of it. Where now it's like a conviction in your heart that actually governs the way you live your life. This is, this is what Paul is pushing Timothy to. Because you know those from whom you learned it. You trust those, the people that have given you this truth. And, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. He says all Scripture, all of it is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. When you see those spheres on the screen or they're on your, on your seat, you think about walking into every place that you go and every place that you put your feet. You need the truth of God to equip you so that, so that you walk into those different environments with the truth of God governing the way that you interact with people, the way that you love, the way that you serve, the way that you think about yourself, the way you think about them, the way you think about God. And Paul is saying to Timothy, all of this is breathed out by God. It is useful for teaching, correcting, training, rebuking in righteousness. This is who we are becoming is revealed right here in God's word. Hope in this is to give us a passion to get this inside of us. To not be content with notional thoughts about God's word. And, oh yeah, that's good. The Bible is really good. But to be convinced of it. Like, you're like convicted. This is who God wants me to be. This is how God wants me to love. This is how he wants me to lead this life. This is what he wants me to stop doing, start doing, soften my heart around. This is what God is saying to me that I'm actually being carried along by the word of God in every decision I make. That it's not just like a nice notional thing that I kind of try to sprinkle on top of my life, but it actually governs the whole of who I am. You need this truth inside you. To the skeptics in the room, because I, I, I understand that I just use the Bible to prove the validity of the Bible. You're like, well, that's nice. I want you to think about it just from a historical perspective. I love history. Anytime there's a historical document and people are trying to understand the strength of it, the, the validity of it, there's this test that goes into it. The historicity of a document is something that's carefully scrutinized and no, no document more than the Bible through the last several hundred centuries. They will always take, there's a couple important things, they will always take the number of copies of the original documents and they'll stack those documents up and they'll match them and look at them and look for differences, or they call it variants. Two things are important here. The number of copies, and the second thing that's important is how much variance between the copies. Homer's Iliad, anybody ever read this or forced to read this in school growing up? That's a, a well-known historical document that a lot of people put a lot of credence in. Um, there is 643 copies of Homer's Iliad. When you think about that, that's a lot. That's actually the, the, the most copies of any historical document besides the Bible. So everything else that you would call like really important historical documents has less than 643. But then you just take the New Testament. 
and you stack all the copies over all the years that have been found in archaeology and all this stuff put together and compiled, there's over 25,000 copies of just the New Testament. And then, here's what's cool, is then they stack them all up and they go, hey, how much variance is there between all 25,000 copies that we've discovered over the centuries? And the number really comes out to 99.8%. So less than um, two one-hundredths of a percent, right, uh, of variance in between all 25,000 copies. No other historical document stands up to this kind of scrutiny with this level of really accuracy and variance. And variance really, in, in all of them, it's like punctuation. It's nothing that, in, or that changes the actual meaning of this document. So you could take an inside look and you hear God's word say, hey, it is authoritative for your life. You take an outside look and you go, wow, there is no way to say that this is not exactly the document that has been preserved miraculously through the last couple thousand years. I mean, before the first century was even done, all these letters that I'm reading out of today, these were in full circulation and people in the early church were using these as authoritative in their life going, God, teach us to follow you. You are our authority. You are the leader of our lives. We want to be obedient to you. Shape us for your purposes. So, so God's word is the authority for our lives. My hope is that this wouldn't just be something like kind of at a nice distant, distance for you, but this would be something really personal for you. Like promises from God are so powerful because the enemy is trying to undermine the work of God in your life all the time. You got to understand this. When Jesus, he died on the cross for our sin, but then he rose from the grave. We just celebrated Easter a few weeks ago. When he rose out of the grave, he defeated sin and death. Sin, nature inside you, it no longer has to control you. And death, the tool that the enemy has leveraged over every one of our hearts, the fear of death for all of eternity. He's defeated both of those. So the enemy of your soul actually has no authority and no power in your life unless he can get you to believe his lies. So what is his tactic? Jesus says, well, he's the father of lies. When he's lying, he's speaking his native language because that's what he's always done. So what is he doing? He is lying to you constantly, trying to lure you away from the truth of God and the purpose of God for your life. And if you don't have the truth in your heart, you have no way to combat the lies that are coming at you constantly. So, so for you and I, just to kind of settle in and go, what are the promises that need to dictate our hearts? Think about how easy it is for us to get insecure. Anybody else in the room? Second-guessing ourselves, second-guessing our value, our worth. There's a promise that is so clear in Scripture that you are a child of God. The God of the universe has adopted you as his own and has chosen to make you his child. Think of this. If you've ever felt alone, isolated, forgotten, discarded, the God of the universe has always declared those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ one of his own, adopted into his family. First John chapter three, John writes, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. Oh, I love this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That is, that is what you are. That is who you are, a child of God. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. 
Dear friends, now we are children of God and, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. You're his child. Called by God, adopted by God, loved by God, received by God, accepted by God. No, no amount of rejection that humans can throw at you can define you. No amount of pressure that somebody can put on you to become what they want you to be. God's child, you, you are the creator of the universe, sees you, knows you by name, has called you specifically, adopted you into his family. Like, like the strength that can rise in your soul when you are just convinced of this promise right here, that I am a child of God. I'm called by God, I'm anointed by God. I have the purpose of God in my heart. Matthew 28. Jesus said, all right, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me now, therefore go. You don't got to try to make up purpose for yourself. I've got a purpose for you. Go. I want you to go make disciples of all nations. Everywhere you go. This is how the, the Greek actually translates. As you are going through life, I want you to make disciples of Jesus. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Think of this. Like you don't got to wander through this life without purpose hoping that your career gives you purpose, hoping that the right kids gives you purpose or the right marriage or the perfect you know, thing is gonna give you purpose. But the God of the universe has declared a purpose for your life as you are going through all the ordinary moments. I want you to be who I've called you to be. I want you to make disciples in every one of those places that you step foot in that church, in that home, in that family, in that work, in that school. I want you to be who I have called you to be and live with the purpose inside you. People without purpose wander and drift and fail. People with purpose have conviction and passion and joy and urgency, right? You can live with this kind of purpose inside you because God has declared it over you. See, see the power of the truth is so good, right? The power of the truth inside you changes you and begins to transform how you think, how you go to school, how you live, how you make decisions. Uh, John 6, Jesus promises this, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me. Anyone that's put their faith in me, I shall lose none of them, but I will raise them up on that last day. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And so I will raise them up on that last day. I'm not gonna lose a single one of them. I'm not going to let you go out of my hand. I'm not going to let you drift off and wander. I'm not going to let you destroy yourself. I'm not letting you go, says the God of the universe. The confidence, the purity of your thoughts, the way you make decisions can be governed by this truth, these promises, if you can get them inside you. You're not just taking my word for it, but you're becoming convinced of this. See, the power of it is, is, is you making a decision to do your part in this whole journey of transformation. No, I'm gonna have this truth, the truth of God inside me, governing my life, the promises of God, making me who I am. The way I make decisions, the way I live this life is gonna be because of who Jesus is and what he's done and what he is calling, what he is speaking over my life. Second Peter 1, 
says his divine power has given us everything we need. Love this. You're not lacking anything. You're not. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're given a deposit of his spirit, the spirit of God, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. You think he's got some power? Absolutely. And he's given you that spirit. You have everything you need to live the godly life that God has called you to live through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. That's what I'm doing. I'm declaring the promises of God over your life. He's given us these very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. That you actually can get in that divine nature and actually live this way, the way God has called you to live, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. You have everything you need to become who God made you to be. You're not lacking. The spirit is inside you, the spirit of truth. Jesus promised that my spirit will lead you into all truth and he will remind you of everything that I've ever said. Uh, He says to his followers one time when they're freaking out about going and having to give an account in front of a bunch of leaders, he's like, don't stress it. When you get there, just open your mouth and my spirit will fill your mouth with the words that you need to say. Like you have been given everything you need to live the life that God has called you to live. But see, here's the deal. I said it at the beginning and I just want to say it again. That if you don't have like God's truth governing your life, every relationship that you are in is going to be affected negatively by it. Because all you've got is the half-truths and the patterns of your past. All you've got is the lies that you believed your entire life. If you don't, if you don't have the truth of God inside you, you are, it's just a crapshoot. I mean, it's just a, like a good luck out there, champ, you know? It's it's really not. How your marriage goes, like how your parenting, like not that your kids are going to be perfect. I mean, it's not any, it's just this like reality of, whoa, if I am not led by the promises of God and the purpose of God, the spirit of God inside me, then, then really all these places that I'm interacting with, where I'm going, the people I'm interacting with, it's really up to chance. And, and you and I have an opportunity to be led by the truth of God. But it's got to be something that you're convinced of, that you're convicted by, and that you're willing to bring your life around. So it's really practical how you do this. It's getting God's word so deep inside you through repetition. That's really, I mean, the secret sauce is every day, all the time. That you are reading God's word, you're writing God's word, you're texting God's word, you're praying God's word, you're declaring God's word, you're you're speaking about God's word, you're praying about God's word, that you are journaling God's word, that you are all the time getting God's word deeper and deeper into the fabric of your soul, deeper imprinted in your psyche and your thinking and how you operate throughout the day. It's really a process of replacing all the lies and what I've called the propaganda that you've grown up with, with the promises of God. That's the journey of transformation we are. Getting the truth of God so deeply ingrained in you that you can actually recognize the lies for what they are. That you can actually see like, oh, that's not true. 
That's not who God is. That's not who I am. That's not who they are. That's the enemy of my soul lying to me. That's my evil desires tempting me. But that is not God's heart. That is not God's word. That is not God's truth. You got to get it in you at that place where it's an actual filter that you can replace lies with truth. This is the call. And this is what, what nobody can do for you. God has his plan. God is always going to love. He's always going to rescue. He's always going to reveal his heart and his truth to you. The church of God has our part. We're always going to proclaim the truth of God's word. We're going to always encourage you, inspire you, help you the best that we possibly can become who God made you to be. But you got your part too. To become so thoroughly convinced of the truth of God that it begins to dictate your decisions, your life, your thinking, your anxious thoughts, your worries about the past and the future, the things that are, are, are con- controlling your heart and your mind, but to actually be able to filter all of life through the truth of God's word is essential. Paul says to Timothy, I want you to do your best to present yourself as, uh, to God as one approved. Think of this. Do your best to present yourself, yourself, as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly, correctly handles the word of truth. That that you can discern God's truth in here and that you can apply it to your life and that you can discern what your part is and what he's wanting to change and shape in you. That like, do your best, Timothy. Do your best through life to to present yourself to God as, as this worker who's been approved, who's able to rightly divide the word of truth and really understand God's leadership in your life. 2 Corinthians, same author says to the church in Corinth in chapter 10, he says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage the, world, the war, war as the world does. I'm gonna read it again because I just totally messed it all up. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. How does the world fight? Get louder, get meaner, get more gossipy. tell more lies. That's not how we fight. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. The weapons we fight with have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, the truth of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. This is the work of transformation right here. Every thought that comes into your head and your heart. Thoughts about God, thoughts about other people, thoughts about yourself. Every one of those thoughts needs to become submitted, captive, and made obedient to Christ. Obedient to the truth of what he has declared about you, about that person, about our God. This is the work of transformation, becoming who God made you to be. It's really simple, Richie but it takes a lifetime to master. That's why we need each other. That's why we need a church. That's why we need God's word. To have this constant filter growing in our hearts so that we can begin to take those things that are lies, half-truths, previous experiences, and make them all obedient to the truth of Jesus. This is who we are to be. This is how 
the truth of Jesus begins to govern your life and your decisions. But I want you to think about it holy. Sometimes spirituality gets reduced down to just knowledge. Well, I know the truth. Paul said, well, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Why is this distinction so important? Because James 1, 22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Oh, there's a trap here. Lots of knowledge. Do what it says. <laughs> Get the truth inside you and do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his own face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. It's like, that's insane. Nobody does that. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law, the word of God that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Take every thought captive, every bit of propaganda, replace it with the promise of God and do what God tells you to do. I hope you didn't come for rocket science today, right? Like, it's this simple. But it feels impossible most days. So that's my, that's my encouragement to you today. Is that you got to stir your heart up. You got to stir your affection for the truth of God, for the word of God, for the promises of God. You got to get your heart like infatuated in love with the word of God. That's what you got to do. Over and over, you get in God's word and you bring it out and you digest it and you look at God, what do you want me to do with this? And how do you want me to change? And what attitudes, thoughts, decisions got to change with what you're revealing to me today and do it and, and, and then rejoice in your doing. He says, you'll be blessed in your doing and, and, and then get up tomorrow and do it some more. And then a little bit more the next day. I love how David says in Psalm 119, your word, the Lord, is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. It's a daily journey of becoming who you made me to be. That is how your word works in my life. It's just a step-by-step, day-by-day journey of transformation, becoming who you made me to be, oh God. It's a, it's a lamp unto my feet, light unto my path. My hope, my prayer is that as a church, we get passionate about God's truth, about his word, about our hearts, our minds decision relationships you look at those circles that I put on the screen earlier and if your truth isn't being revised and corrected by the ultimate source of truth you walk into every one of those relationships with a poor version of partial truths and previous experiences and you start wrecking relationships and ruining things everywhere you go this is why Jesus and our relationship with him is at the very center of all of those circles because if we don't get this none of the rest of that is going to work we're becoming a new people and it's a daily step by step process getting the truth of God inside you and becoming 
God made you to be doing what God is asking you to do. There's a lot more to this that we could talk about today, but I just want to leave us here. Say, every life, are you willing to put a passion in your heart for the truth of God? Place those lies with the truth, the promises of God over your life. Do what He says. I want to pray for you today. Would you stand to your feet with me? drives our hearts to be pure, God. Every lie that the enemy has spoken over our lives, we just rebuke in the name of Jesus and declare your truth, God, that we are yours. We are called by name, God, that you have declared purpose over every single one of us, God. The enemy has no place in none of these souls standing in this room today. He has no victory. He has no power. He has no authority because Jesus, you have won it all. You have declared that victory over sin, over the death, over the grave, God. Over every one of our lives, you've declared victory. I just declare that truth over your church today. That this is a called people, an anointed people, an empowered people. This is an army standing here, God. An army of love and compassion, mercy, faithful, God. This is a faithful people standing here. People who love the way that you've called us to love. People of compassion, joy, forgiveness, mercy. Oh, you're making all things new, Jesus. And we just receive that today. We choose your transformation. Choose your truth. Choose your power choose your love God forgive us for just staying in the old life and the old truths and the old lies just come out of that today